0: Depression, anxiety, and autoimmune symptoms after birth is not how it's supposed to be. There is a much better way, and I'm here to show you how to do just that. Hey, my friend, I'm Miranda Bauer, a mother to four kids and a biology student turned scientist obsessed with changing the world through postpartum care. Join us as we talk to mothers and the providers who serve them and getting evidence-based information that actually supports the mind, body, and soul in the years after birth. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Postpartum University Podcast. And guess what? We are here for part two episode with HeHe Stewart. She is the founder of the Birth Lounge. With years of experience as a birth doula and a master's in human development and family studies, I tell you all about her in episode one in our last episode together, which was I believe 104. And we talked about the benefits of having a doula, why we wouldn't hire a doula, what's the role of the partner and so many more things. So I highly recommend that after you're listening to this, go back and listen to that. But we wanted to have another conversation here. We wanted to open this up because there's so much, for one, that he and I he, he and I, can talk about forever. And we wanted to bring up the conversation about doulas in a different way. And we're actually going to talk about a taboo conversation regarding advocating for your birth and having a doula support you in advocating for your birth. Now, as a mom listening in, you're probably saying, like, why is this taboo? And doulas listening in, you know very well why this is taboo, because it is often very frowned upon by larger certifying agencies. So we're just going to open this conversation up with HeHe and talk about this. HeHe, welcome again. I'm so glad to have you. I'm so glad to be here. I think that you and I have
1: so much to talk about. We're so aligned in so many things. And your audience craves this like really genuine evidence based information to help them be the decision makers. And that's like really that is where I thrive. So thanks for having
0: me back. Yeah, we uh, let's talk about the industry really quickly because when I was like saying hello to you, we were like, oh my gosh, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about this. Like there were so many other components that we wanted to add in. What in the world is going on with the the doula world right now?
1: Why is this a taboo yeah. conversation? Yeah, we've got a lot of stuff going on. And I think that, um, I think a lot of it has, Really big pros, like doulas are getting a lot more light. People are learning what doula education is about. Doulas help reduce reduce a lot of things like, like C-section rates, unnecessary interventions, um, people being unsatisfied with their birth or having kind of ill memories of their birth. Doulas can help all of that. Um, on the downside, the cons of what's happening is in an attempt to make things better, we're actually restricting access to a lot of people. So for example, we are sometimes seeing hospitals um, put in restrictions around who constitutes a support person. So they might have a policy that says something like, you're allowed to have two support people, but they get to determine who is their support person. It must be a doula that is trained by X organization, or it must be um, your partner, and then one other person. And in parentheses, they may tell you, um, you know, what that one other person has to meet. It can't be a family member. It can't be this person. Um, and so, these things require us to look. At it through um, a couple different lenses. So we want to look at it through the hospital. Hospitals, obviously, the more control they have. Um, they kind of feel like they are able to produce better results. And that kind of makes sense, right? The less variables we have, the better results we hypothetically should be able to produce. However, we have to balance that with ethics. So how ethical is it to present to somebody that they're allowed to have to support people, but only if they meet these requirements that we set forth? And then we have to look at it through a lens of advocacy. If someone is essentially... Agreeing to follow the rules of an already broken system, how much good or harm is that person doing within that system? If you are an, um, you know kind of an independent party, a doula that doesn't work for the hospital system, um, and you work directly for your client, then you're obligated to your your client. You have a loyalty to your client. You are um, a third party that doesn't have to necessarily um, answer to the hospital system. Does that make sense? Not that you wouldn't be respectful of the hospital system, but they are not your boss. Your Your ultimate boss is your client. However, if the hospitals are then putting restrictions and saying only the people who agree to work within these policies are allowed in, then it really is a question of, you know, yikes, is that true advocacy? And it's ultimately not. It kind of goes back to informed decision-making. If someone doesn't have all of the information, it's not true informed decision-making. If someone doesn't have all of the options, they're not allowed to bring any to support people that they want to make them comfortable and feel safe in their birth, then it's not true autonomy. Um, and so there's a lot of things ethically wrong with some of the, the policies and the legislation that we are um, seeing. So it's a double edged sword. We're getting a lot of good light. People are learning about the education. People are learning ways that they can advocate for themselves. Um, and with that, as we navigate this system, um, and we're we're all trying to make it better. I do believe that we um, may not be necessarily hitting the nail on the head in these first couple swings that we do.
0: It's so true. And it reminds me, I was a childbirth educator for years, and I even taught in the hospital setting for a very brief, short period of time, because it was, here's all of your informed choices based on what the hospital says is an appropriate thing. And so I had to leave out so much information because it was not allowed. And so is that really informed choice? Absolutely not. So, uh, And we have to understand, too, that these major organizations that the hospitals are saying... Uh, only these organizations or these people who are certified under these organizations are allowed to do this. These are the organizations who are saying, we don't advocate for our clients in that way. We don't speak up for their rights in this way. We don't say these things in the birth room. And so there's this compliance that's happening. And because of that compliance with a hospital that may not be really looking out for your best emotional, you know, needs. They're there specifically to make sure that, you know, you're, you're, you're not dying, your baby's going to be fine and get you in the door and get you out of the door, right? Like that's, that's it. That's all they're there for. And they're failing even on that for, for many. So um, there there's again, so much that we need to really look at in terms of this advocating. So when we start talking about advocating and having a doula advocate, what does that mean necessarily? Why is that even important?
1: Well, it kind of comes down to the basis question. This is what I I base like everything in my practice around. People know that they can advocate for themselves, but they don't know how. And so if you're a doula, your job is to help them with that how. And if you don't know how, then you have to be very self-reflective. You need to be critical of yourself and think, am I putting into a broken system or am I able to almost disassemble? We want to kind of tear down the system that we have and rebuild it to truly focus and center on that mother, on that that parent-baby dyad. Um, so in, in terms of advocacy, I think it's ultimately important for people who, if you struggle to speak up for yourself in medical settings, that advocacy can be, you know, truly the difference between a positive birth experience or one that leaves you feeling kind of disempowered.
0: It's so true. And like when I, I just recently got done doing a training on how to advocate for our clients as professionals and in, in our uh, pro membership. And we were looking at the statistics of like, okay, why is it that we actually have to do this work? It was astronomical what we were finding. One in three women will develop postpartum depression. Uh, We have a history of forced medical procedures. We have a long list of history. I just had a a podcast episode on it. One in three women experience birth trauma in the birth room, suicide, second leading cause of death in postpartum, right? Like, and it goes on and on and on the medical, uh, medical error in the U S third leading cause of death, right? So when we look at the statistics, we know that what's happening in our world, particularly with women, particularly of women of color, right? And how we're being treated in the birth room is not okay. And so having somebody there to support you and advocate and speak up for you when you're in the middle of labor, (laughs) which is not an easy thing to do to speak up for your, like speaking up for yourself in the middle of a contraction is nearly impossible sometimes right you need somebody to be able to do that for you who feels comfortable doing that for you and i think that's really important to to recognize not only is it necessary it's it's something like we it just it has to be it's something that has to be at this point in time if that's where you're giving birth that's where we need to we, you need to have an advocate for yourself
1: that's kind of the whole point is that you know that you can and you know that you want to and you know what you want. But the actual doing it, the follow through, the action, the literal words leaving your mouth during labor is what is hard. And so that is why Adula having worked with you for the, the the months leading up to your birth is so crucial because your doula now knows you. They know what your wants are. They know what your preferences are. They know how to approach you with sensitive information. They know who and what makes you feel safe and who and what doesn't make you feel safe. They know how, you know, your triggers work and what bring you back down, what helps ground you, what, what, you know, is going to encourage you. Your doula is a huge Role, um, they play a huge role in that positive birth space simply because they make it safe and they help you uh, speak up when you want to, but aren't necessarily capable.
0: Become a postpartum university professional. Our evidence-based trainings, guides, downloads, tools, and community membership is now open for applications. Join us as we learn, connect, and implement better care practices for ourselves and for our clients we serve. You can learn more at postpartumU, the slash membership. Why is a birth plan not good enough? Because I, mm. I hear I hear this often, right? Well, I have a birth plan. Why would I need a doula? Because I have everything written down. They know what I want.
1: Or even worse yet, I had a birth plan and nobody read it. I had a birth plan and nobody listened to me. I had a birth plan, and I heard the nurses out in the hallway making fun of me. I had a birth plan, and when I presented it to my provider at 37 weeks, they laughed at me and told me the longer the birth plan, the quicker the route to the C-section. Like, horrible things, right? And so, again, this is multi-layered. We want to have a birth plan because it's a communication tool. It helps you communicate in the moment. It is what I kind of think about as the central place for everyone to meet. If people are questioning what does she want, let's go back to the birth plan. If we're trying to figure out, okay, this isn't an option. I wonder what else we could present to her. Let's go back to the birth plan. Um, For new doctors and new nurses at shift change, let's go back to the birth plan. But in addition to that, you must have medical professionals who are open to the idea of a birth plan. You have to have a medical team who is going to be receptive to that. Who's going to sit down and go, Miranda, hi, I am um your nurse. I'm Leslie. I read over your birth plan. I did have a couple questions because I see that we've pivoted from a couple things. And I just want to make sure that our next eight hours together are really great and I'm like totally in line with what you're hoping for your birth to be. Talk to me about X, Y, and Z, and then they follow with whatever they're questions are, right? It is super important that you have a provider that when you go into your 38-week appointment, and you say, I want to talk about your birth plan. They go, oh my God, I'm so excited you have a birth plan. I love it when people make birth plans. All right, cool. What are your top five things? Let's start there. I don't have long, right? That's not your doctor's fault. I mean, there we're working we're within a broken system. So I don't have long. Let's talk about your top five things. I'll see you next week and whatever we don't get to today, we will tackle next week. That is what we're looking for. We are looking for providers to say, you know, the only thing I heard on your birth plan that, you know, you might face a little pushback with the staff because it is hospital policy is you not wanting an IV. So help me understand what your hesitation is. You know, obviously we think that you need it. We're, we're trained to trust that. We think that it's better. We want to save the seconds if you were to need an emergency. So help me understand what your hesitancy is with getting an IV. That is what we are looking for in our prenatals. That is what we're looking for when we present things to staff in triage, in labor and delivery, in postpartum with your pediatrician. This is how healthcare should be, period. I mean, if you're not getting that, This is where that advocacy comes in. Do you have the mental wherewithal? I mean, you just pushed out a baby or maybe you're pushing out a baby. Do you have the mental wherewithal to say, I actually would like a new provider. You are making me feel not safe. I actually would like a new nurse because I've asked you several times not to move up my Pitocin without asking me and you've done it again. And I I just no longer feel safe under your care. Right. If you don't, you're going to need somebody to do that. If that's not a role that your partner is going to be able to play, a doula is perfect for that. I mean, and and your doula helps you come up with questions to present in your prenatal. They help you navigate things in the end of pregnancy. Preeclampsia, cholestasis. I mean, you know, a headache is one of the worst things you can have in pregnancy, in my opinion, because it can be a million things. It could be something super serious and it could be absolutely nothing like sinuses. Um, Like a headache is... I think about it as the joker, like literally the worst card. Why did I pull this? Um, you know, is it do I need to be induced in five minutes or am I good? I need a nap? You know, um, that's that's kind of a joke. I don't want anybody out there thinking like, oh, my God, I have a headache. Something's seriously wrong. Um, it's kind of a joke, but also it is kind of not a headache pops up with a lot of things. Um, but, yeah, you know, you you have that sounding board, to to uh, bounce ideas about, bounce ideas off of, but more so you have that person to speak up and say, Miranda, you look really uncomfortable with that decision. You don't have to have this cervical exam if you don't want it. Are you sure you're okay with it? And you, as the patient, as the mom, as the birthing person, you have that opportunity to go, I mean, yeah, if I have to have it, but I like really don't want it. And your doula can go, oh my God, that's all you had to say. You do not... You should not let anyone in your genitals that you don't want, and that kind of stops the room. Hopefully, there's no doctor out there that would be like, "Well, I need to get in there."
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that, that that is true. That those uh, those people do exist, and we have all seen it. And especially when we're doulas, we have seen that significantly. It does happen, and it happens quite frequently. And so, I love all of these examples that you you've given. And sometimes it's just easier. I mean, we are so inundated as pregnant women with all of the choices, all of the decisions. You got this test, you got that test, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. You have to make this choice. You have to buy all this gear. You have to do so much, so much. And it's overwhelming. Just the act of being pregnant and growing a human being is overwhelming on top of everything else. And so having somebody there for you who can speak up and say the things that are hard. I mean, how many of us, and I know this myself included, I have felt, well, if I just speak up, I'm gonna be causing a problem or I'm just being needy or I'm gonna be a bitch if I, if I say something. And then, so we are just like, I just don't wanna cause problems. I just don't want this person to not like me anymore or I really need this person To take care of me and my baby. And if I say something like, get out of my vagina, then they're not going to like me anymore, or maybe they're going to hurt me. Right. And so, understanding that those fears are real, that we all have them at some capacity. So, to have somebody who is trained to use this language, to use these ways in which to support you and advocate you, maybe a fundamental necessity for you. My next question, he, because we've already established that there's a lot of people out there who might be practicing at doulas who maybe are not allowed. It's against their practice or it's against their code to uh, support women and advocate for women and say something when they see something or whatever the case may be. How in the world do we find someone who is comfortable advocating? Yeah,
1: Um, you just ask. You literally just have to ask them. This is why interviewing doulas is super important. It's why interviewing people um, who are going to be in your birth space is crucial. You want to know whether your doula, um, you know, what's their philosophy? That's kind of what it boils down to. What is their philosophy concerning their role in the room? Are they comfortable speaking up for you? Do they speak directly to medical providers? Um, Do they play an active role in your birth or do they kind of just sit back? And I don't believe one is better than the other. I think, This is the beautiful part about consent and consumer choice is you get to choose the doula that is right for you. If you're hoping for a doula who's really just going to sit in the corner and kind of be verbally there for you and may provide a little bit of um, physical support, but for the most part, they're kind of just like reading their book in the corner and they are there to make sure you are protected and energetically you've got it going on, then That doula exists. If you are looking for someone who's gonna be hands-on, they're up with you, they're always doing physical support, they are talking you through the contractions, they are directing your partner, they are an active participant, they are pausing the room, then you need to call me. Right. If you are looking for a doula who is going to not really do any prenatal support, you're not super interested in that. You really just kind of want day of support. Um, and they are going to be with you from the moment you go into labor till the time your baby is born. They're not going to leave your side. Then that doula exists. There is a beauty. It's a double-sided coin, right? It's a double-edged sword is uh, the unregulation of doulas. There's a beauty in unregulation because you have a million different choices. But the unregulation also means that the due diligence to find a doula who is safe and qualified and educated um, relies on or falls on the shoulders of that parent, um, which I think I personally agree with that self-responsibility. If you're going to welcome someone in their space, I believe you hold the responsibility to do the due diligence to know if that person is appropriate. Who am I to say that every single person in your birth room needs to hold at least a master's degree, degree or needs to at least have been trained in a weekend course? I don't need to put that stipulations. If you have someone in your life that has not gone through a doula training, but you know that they are going to make you feel safe in your birth, you deserve to have that person there. And there is not a human on earth that has the authority or should be given the authority to tell you that that person is not allowed in your space. Right. Um, Amen. Amen. Like period. end. (laughs) We're in church now, baby. Amen. I mean, and now I'm I'm just preaching, but it is true. It really is true is that um, you know, you can't bring dangerous people in the hospitals. If you're going to bring someone who's going to interrupt medical care and make you unsafe and like, you know, put you in danger, that is one thing. I think that's an extreme case, but I know obviously the internet is a wild place. There's always that one person who's like, Wah! um, but outside of that, the hospital really does not have the authority and should not be given the authority to restrict who constitutes your support people um, and whether that person does or does not have qualifications at the hospital deem okay, right? But what about that, that birthing person? They are the ones who have the ultimate choice of who gets to attend their birth space, who makes them feel safe, who do they feel is worthy of ushering their baby earthside because it, it must be a limited number. It has to be. We only have limited invites, um and I, I think the only person that gets to give those out is that pregnant person. So mm. there we Amen.
0: go. Off my soapbox. A- Amen. I I am with you one hundred and ten percent. We really need to start looking at self-advocacy. And I think that's where it really begins. If you want someone to advocate for you, you have to stand up and advocate for yourself first and understand what it is that you want. You have to start looking at uh, you know, what what do you want to have? What do you want available in your birth experience? What does this birth experience look like to you? What's important to you? And then making this choices and the decisions and asking the questions, to figure out how to get there first. And if you're going to hire somebody who's going to advocate for you, then you have to be willing to make that decision to do that, which means that you had to advocate for yourself first. And the birth, you know, the doula or whomever it is that you bring into your birth space, they can't advocate for you if you have no idea what you want, and you're not willing to speak up. And, and at least tell them, right, what it is that you want in that process. So I think that's really key and, and really important to know too. And part of what you're saying here is like, oh, we should be the ones who are making those decisions, but we have to actually make those decisions, right? Nobody else is yeah. going to do this work for us. We have to well, be- Well, that's the, the thing is you reverse. have
1: to know what you want. If yes. you don't know what you want, then you can't even communicate. That to your doula, and how in the world, if you don't know what you want, are the people around you supposed to know what you want? That's impossible. And and if you set your team up for failure like that, um, then. And I think the only answer is that we're going to fail. We're not going to have a great birth is because, you know, somewhere along the way, balls were dropped. The work didn't get done. The communication didn't, you know, get done and, and expectations were missed. Um, And that it's all avoidable. We can avoid every single bit of that by education and communication.
0: And that's it. Everything comes down to those two things. So true. So true. He, he, thank you so, so much for this conversation. And I will tell you if you're a doula out there and you are wanting to advocate for your clients, you can absolutely learn how to do that. And I I just really want to say yes, it might be one of those taboo conversations, but it is absolutely your right to be able to do that too. And so if that's something that you want to do that you haven't done, reach out to myself, reach out to HeHe. We are more than happy to show you how to do it or or to point you in the right direction so that you can learn how to do this advocacy work because it is so important and you deserve to be that person for someone else too, just as much as you deserve to have that uh, advocacy for you as well. So such such an important conversation. Thank you. He-He. We can go on and on.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me, seriously. And and this is for parents and doulas. I, I think there is a, a space for everybody that self-advocacy is huge, but also doulas, you have to know how to speak up for your people. And remember, as a patient, no one is going to treat you with more respect than you treat yourself. And so you must set the bar for what you are um, accepting in your life. And so if you're not getting health care that makes you feel safe and seen and respected and truly care for, um, then we should think about changing providers for you for sure.
0: I actually, ju- I stopped using the word patient. You are not a patient, you are a client. Ask. And you get to make the decisions. You are hiring your provider, your nurses are there to support you. And if you don't feel supported, you actually have the right to fire them. And so that's that's not a patient. You're you're not a patient, you are a client. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And so start looking at yourself as that, and it will help you significantly change and be able to stand up for what you desire and what you need and what your baby needs too. I am so grateful you turned into the postpartum university podcast. We've hoped you enjoyed this episode enough to leave us a quick review. And more importantly, I hope more than ever that you take what you've learned here, applied it to your own life and consider joining us in the postpartum university membership. It's a private space where mothers and providers learn the real truth and the real tools needed to heal in the years postpartum. You can learn more at www postpartum you that's the letter u.com we'll see you next week